Hello, Curve Community. It's me. It's me. Hi. Hi. Problem, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> I do wish I could sing, like, of all the things. I wish you could sing as well. I know, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Um, the point of interrupting this podcast before we've even got into it is actually just to ask you a really quick favor. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, it might be Spotify, it might be Apple. If you are listening, but you don't follow or subscribe, it's quite problematic for us. It really doesn't help in terms of getting into charts, in terms of building our audience and that kind of thing. So because there's such a small amount of you that follow us. 2%. 2% of you follow us. <laughs> I know, it's very low. And I don't know why. I think it's just that people don't realize it's helpful. So people probably just haven't done it yet. Or maybe they don't like us. But why oh. would you listen week after week? Exactly. Or even, you know, I don't think it's that. I hope it's not that. So, but if you do like the podcast and you enjoy the conversations that we're having and you think that this is something you want to stick around for a while, um, it would really help us if you could please hit the follow, the subscribe. If you want to leave a review, go for it. But honestly, like the number one thing is just following the show so that you, you know, all the episodes are downloaded automatically. Follow us, please. Yeah, yeah, follow us. It takes two seconds. That would be amazing. Like you could have done it by now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have done it. Maybe. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to the Curve Podcast, a conversation for women who want to learn more about money, their money, for the future they want to have. We're all busy in the pursuit for financial confidence and increasing your wealth should be a simple one. That's why The Curve was created. This podcast is for women to learn about investing in a non-scary or intimidating way. With short episodes, you'll have time to learn, digest and understand everything to do with the world of investing. Don't expect to be an expert on day one. No question is a silly question. If you're asking it, so is everyone else. So thank you for being here and for listening because together we really can raise the curve. Oh, we're back again. Hi. Hello. Now, I left the last episode feeling like, oh, cool, great. I sort of feel like I somewhat know some things about shares. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I haven't said my name is Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's quite obvious. I've got very different voices. True. So last time we spoke a lot about the shares and just in general terms, and I left with my little notepad being like, cool, great, I know some stuff. I wouldn't even know where to start looking for a company that I could potentially buy a share in. Like where to find these businesses is is what you want to know. That was a very long introduction of what I was trying to say, yes. (laughs) And that's the question I actually get asked the most is, Vic, that's all well and good that this is what I'm looking for and looking to invest. But how do I find these businesses? How do I become, I want to become a part owner, but how do I find these businesses? So I want to tell you a bit about my day so far. So this morning I needed to get somewhere, so I jumped in the Uber. I then needed a coffee, so I went and paid for my coffee with my visa. I then was on my way to yoga in my Lululemon outfit. Mm, how was that? It was great. <laughs> and then I actually called Yusuf on my, on my iPhone Brands, brands, brands. I see where you're going. Exactly. And this was all before 10 a.m. So <laughs> just <laughs> been a, a busy day. <laughs> These products that I've mentioned are all listed. They're all listed companies. You've got Apple, Lululemon, Visa, Uber. They're all listed companies that you can get involved in. Finding investment ideas is not difficult. Like you're using these products and services throughout your day without even knowing. It's stopping and realizing, hey, I love these Lululemon pants or, hey, this transaction with this visa is very easy. And, oh, the Uber app is so good. If you're thinking that, 
lots of other people are thinking that. So it's being aware of what you're using throughout your day. And if you're finding something that's really good, really useful, or solves a pain solves a pain point for you, you just Google it and and see if it's see if it's listed. It's actually it's basically just changing your whole mindset from being a consumer to being an investor, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because we're just the victim of being, you know, shot in the face with advertising here, there, and everywhere, and we buy into it as a customer. But you're right; it's changing that thought process to be well. If I'm spending all this money as a customer and I'm loving using it or doing that or whatever, mm. and it comes down to services as well. For example, if you're in the marketing industry and you're using a different software or a a different like zero yeah. when it first came out, I guess exactly. if you're an accountant or exactly using that and thinking, wow, this is actually really great, and everyone in our team's using it, so. That means that lots of other team accounting teams are using it, and just oh, I having... feel quite inspired. I yeah. all of a sudden feel like this is actually not as hard as you think. It's just thinking about what you do and where everyone that you like following trends. Yes, exactly. What's what's a, what's a theme or what's a trend that I want to get involved in? And it comes back to if you don't understand it, then don't buy it. There's so many businesses out there that you you don't have to. Invest in the ones you don't understand. That's actually a really bad thing to do because if you don't understand the business, <laughs> what are you investing in? Uh, so it's just when you're a consumer or you use their service or their product, it's much easier to make that investment decision. There's always a, a, a trick that I use when I'm looking at companies to invest in, and it's it's called the elevator pitch. And I give myself the elevator pitch test. Do you actually do it to yourself? Yes, yeah, hundred percent. In the mirror, where are you? No, this is this is it's just a, a metaphorical. It's a metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the elevator <laughs> pitching to no one. Just pitching to. The... I just would love to see that. <laughs> no, so it's called you're yeah, giving your investment the elevator pitch test, and what that means is if you can't explain it to a friend in the time it takes to ride the elevator down, it's not worth your time. That kind of comes back to the same argument. If you don't understand it, don't buy it. What I'm getting from this is that everyone I know needs to invest in Instagram because that is where most of us spend <laughs> exactly. 90% of our time. Like, oh and we God. could have seen that trend when we when we were talking to friends and they're like, oh, I'm not really using Facebook anymore. Instagram's great. And then Instagram... Inter- that would have been the best time to invest and in And Instagram that. then launched stories and you could then shop on Instagram and... It was adding all these features and people were just people, as in our friends and our circle, like our age group. People were using Instagram a lot more and and the the people around you were using Instagram a lot more. Then that's that's, that's happening globally. That's happening worldwide. And so that just means more people are using the platform. That's going to translate into more revenue for Facebook. Facebook owns Instagram, by the way, and the, the the growth outlook of that business is going to be a lot better, and and that that's going to translate into better earnings, which means a better price for their shares. So, in the last episode, you spoke about you're an o- part owner, but it doesn't mean that you actually can be involved in decision making in that company. Yes, you have no rights. Y- yeah. yeah. So, if we were then to look at the Instagram example, and you're wanting to invest in that, but you didn't want to invest in Facebook, you specifically wanted to invest in just Instagram, do you have a choice as to where your money goes with the share or is it just the company as a whole? The company as a whole. So you don't, because Facebook owns Instagram and they own WhatsApp and you can't, because that is the incorporated company is is Facebook, that you can't just invest in Instagram. But you benefit from that because as Instagram grows and becomes a greater portion of Facebook overall, you're benefiting from that growth. Okay. Um, But sometimes you have to take a few, few weeds with the roses, you know. 
great analogy. If that's it, is it? Okay, I just made that up on yeah. the spot. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think my granddad yeah. would like that one. But sometimes businesses always have a division that that you don't like or that it's 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 not really relevant or it's not the growth story, but you kind of take it because it's part of the business, part of the overall company. Like a cool fashion label, but they have shitty shoes or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's a really good example of saying, you know, look at your life and the way that you interact with products and things and people and whatever to find businesses that you personally see growth in. But then, then what? Like, how do you know if it's listed? And then how do you even go to investing in that company? So you found a company that you think has a great outlook. You can see it doubling in five years and you really want to be a part of that business and you want to become an owner, a tiny owner at that, but you still want to become an owner and be a part of that growth story. So once you've found that, yeah, what what you're kind of asking is, is how do I actually buy well, the shares? Well, other than Googling, is Nike a listed company? Can I buy shares? That's literally what I would Google. I have no idea. And that's exactly what you should do. That's exactly what you should do. How do you find out if a company's listed? Literally just Google it. I can't believe it's that easy. So you would literally type in, is Microsoft a public company? Or what is Kathmandu's share price? And then that will bring up whether it's listed and whether the public can buy those shares. However, <laughs> there's always a... Of course there's a but. <laughs> the fun police strikes again. But the good thing about New Zealand is we only have one stock exchange. So one place where companies can list their shares. So for us, it's easier. If you find a New Zealand company, say Kathmandu, like the previous example, say Kathmandu, you really want to get involved in Kathmandu and you want to buy shares in Kathmandu, you can just go to the NZX website, which is our stock exchange, and find Kathmandu there. And you can do the same thing in Australia because there's only one stock exchange there. So one place. One, one stop shop. One share market. One place where those shares transacted. However, <laughs> if it is a global company, like a lot of examples we've put in here, so sorry for the, the confusion, the likes of Microsoft, Amazon, Nike, Lululemon, it's much better to just Google them, to Google those companies. Because with bigger countries, so the likes of the US, there's multiple exchanges where, where companies can list shares. And you may have heard of some like the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, yes. So instead of going to each exchange and trying to find this company that you want to invest in, I just go to Google and go, is this company listed? Is this com- company publicly traded? What is this company's share price? And would they have shares on different stock markets or would they only be listed on the New York? Yes, you can You can list in multiple. Uh, so some companies for the likes the likes of Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, which is, which is a New Zealand company, is actually listed in Australia as well. So it's listed on both stock exchanges. But what I'm saying is that if you're trying to find a company to invest in, in Australia and New Zealand, you can just go to the respective stock exchanges and look on those websites. Anywhere outside of Australia and New Zealand, it's easier just to Google. Would somewhere like Apple or any of those big companies be listed on multiple stock exchanges within, say, America, or would they just be on one? It's usually only one in each country, just because you're trying to get access to that pool of investors. So if you're listed on the New York Stock Exchange in America, you've got access to those American investors. So there's no need to then list on the NASDAQ as well. I you, guess what I was wondering is, is there competitive prices on different stock markets? The or? prices are all the same. So the dollar value might not be the same. 
so you're not going to be able to get a better price from somewhere else. There's traders out there that that's what they do. Is Regulating they, it. They search for those discrepancies and they will buy and sell them until there's no discrepancies anymore. So the average investor, like you <laughs> oh, and me. I'm just imagining like a Sherlock Holmes looking guy. That's and like, there's computers and algorithms and it, it gets, we won't go into that. But, it's like the black market of investing. But let's get let's back to what. We've got, <laughs> we will talk about exchanges and how they work in a few more episodes, but I guess the summary is New Zealand or Australian company, just go to the exchange website and see if it's listed. If it's anywhere else, it's best just to Google. Another way is actually, which might be a bit easier, is say you found a company you wanted to invest in, Lululemon, for example, and you didn't know if it actually, if it actually had shares that the public could buy, you can go onto their website and try and find an investor relations page or type in Lululemon Investor Relations. And Investor Relations is the hub place to go for investors and shareholders to find information about the company purely from an investment point of view. Does that make sense? Yeah. So any any New Zealand listed company will have an Investor Relations page within their, their company website. And that will have everything from the annual report, which I think is a great document if you're ever thinking about investing in a company to read, read the annual report. It gives a great breakdown of the uh, operations of the business, the business divisions, the recent financial results. It's just a really good summary of the business. Okay. And there's been times when I've read annual reports, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that company owned that company or had operations in Australia as well as New Zealand. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really good eye opener and gives a good overview of the company. So you can either look on the exchange website, Google it, or look at the company website and see if there's an investor relations page and then go from there. Okay, so let's just, with the whole go from there, let's elaborate <laughs> on that. <laughs> what, uh, what would I do from there? So say I find Lululemon, whether it's on their website or on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, what's the next steps? <laughs> I guess the next step is buying the shares and Ooh. actually transacting and actually putting that money to work. And to do that for New Zealand-based investors, there's a few platforms that you can do that with. What are they? So there's Sharesies, which is so user-friendly and it's and it's a great platform and you can transact, you can buy New Zealand shares and you can also buy US shares, so United States, shares in the United States. But that's kind of it. So they're about to launch Australian shares, or they may have already, but it's good for if you want to transact US shares or New Zealand shares. Which is probably the top two for New Zealanders really, isn't it? Especially And especially for the likes of you and me wanting to try and find a company that we understand, that we know well and we want to invest in. Like a Zuru or something. You can see that they're obviously growing and they've got lots of different brands. And, oh, interesting. <laughs> but they're not listed. So Are they not? No. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Why is that? They just don't need the capital. They don't need the money. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Another platform is called Hatch. Hatch or Hitch? Hatch. Okay. Yeah, not, not Will Smith. Okay. Hatch. <laughs> just chicken. Hatch like a chicken. Hatch. <laughs> Hatch your nest egg. Is that what they call it when you're your nest egg? Yeah, why is there I all won- these egg and chicken connotations? <laughs> and hatch and don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. And it's a lot of chicken. Build your egg, nest egg. There? Yeah, there's lots mm. of yeah. Anyway, but, so hatch is one. So sharesies and then there's hatch, but they only do US shares. So again, if it's an Australian New Zealand company, you can't do that through hatch. You can only do US uh, US companies. And then there's other platforms like your local bank 
will probably have a platform. I know ASB has a platform. To invest? Yeah, where you can go and you can buy and sell New Zealand and Australian on their shares. Uh, you just oh, put, yeah. you just put money a in, a, in an account and then you get them to transact it for you. But the Are fees, they fund managers, essentially? No, oh. they're just a platform for transacting. Similarly to, share, to Sharesies and Hatch, they just facilitate the transactions. So with Sharesies, for example, you put money in your wallet, then you transact and you spend that money. With ASB, it's very similar. You have money in your account and you just go out and you, buy, and you say, I want to buy 100 shares of Kathmandu and they will transact that for you. The only thing with ASB is be careful of the the fees. They do charge, I think it's roughly about $30 a transaction, depending on if it's in Australia or in New Zealand. And that can really eat into your return. So you don't want to be buying and selling shares all the time on this, on this, on, on any platform, to be honest. And and you shouldn't be doing that if you're a long-term investor. <laughs> so do you, when you say that, do you mean you shouldn't use Sharesies or Hatch? Or do you mean you should use... You should, but just... You if, can use any any of these platforms, but just don't be transacting all the time, especially with ASB, because you get charged a transaction fee. And that just eats into your returns. If you're getting charged $30 every time that you're buying or selling a share, and it kind of comes back to the argument of make sure you look at after-fees returns because fees always eat into your return and you know, nothing's, nothing's free. They have to be able to run these businesses to, to help you facilitate those transactions. So it's kind of, fees will always be there, but just, just be aware that... Read the small print. Exactly. Use the one that you think is right for you and gives you the access to the shares or the companies that you want to buy. I, f- I feel a little scared about the idea that, and this might, this might sound so silly, but the idea that I could lose everything. How do you go into it with a mindset that's not fear-driven? Is that a silly question? No, it's all about having that investing mindset. And we were kind of talking about it when you're going about your day-to-day and you're, you're trying to find investment ideas. It's having that investing mindset of what products am I using, what services I'm using, and, and putting that, that investor hat on, I guess, and having that on as much as you can. What you're talking about is kind of around how... How do I not freak out? <laughs> well, it's just you're and putting a lot of trust out there yeah. with not a lot of information. I mean, I know you can make educated decisions, but... Yeah, and it is and it is scary because you can lose 100%. But I, it comes back to... And you're dealing with money. You're dealing with your savings. There's always going to be an element of emotion in that. But when you are making decisions you know, about how, how to save your money or how to invest, a lot can go right. But then a lot can also go wrong. So people do tend to make rational choices and that's just the emotion coming into it. But I try to come back to kind of five questions about when I'm when I'm making a decision about to invest or to sell. I, I try to come back to these kind of these five questions and ask myself, what influences are at play right now while I'm making this decision? Why am I selling or why am I buying? Is it irrational? Is it emotional? Am I just scared? Have I just heard a tidbit from a friend that they have heard from another friend, another friend, that something's going to go wrong with this investment of mine and so I need to sell? Or am I making an informed decision? Or am I getting caught up in the hype? Which there would be a lot of, right? Totally. Like the news headlines these days, the the people's uninformed opinions that you get all the Social time. media and people just totally. being uneducated and thinking something's true and the, when it's not necessarily. And the tall poppy syndrome that we have in New Zealand, you going to friends and saying, oh, I own this stock and it's done really well and people trying to bring you down or say, oh, well, you should sell that because of this, this, this. It's well, it's all well and good taking those opinions on board, but 
that opinion that you heard is probably not an informed opinion. And if it's from someone that is, is well-rehearsed and investing and, well re- and that you respect, then maybe take it with a grain of salt and do a bit more research around what they said. Also, who's talking about their stocks on a Saturday night? Like, well, hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> I know, we are. <laughs> I know. But, but I guess it's, it's, yeah, you're right. We obviously want that conversation to be had, but not in a flippant, arrogant, I know more than you do kind exactly. of a way. And, and people do tend to do that. So it's just removing yourself from that and saying, what influences are at play right now while I'm making this investment decision? The second one is, which might seem interesting, but how's my overall health and wellness? And that comes back to, have I had a really shit day and I'm really grumpy and I just want to sell everything and I'm sick of this? And it's it's kind of getting consumed in your emotions. And I keep coming back to emotions because it's so difficult and it's something that I still struggle with, which is removing that emotion from investing. And when you're dealing with money and you're dealing with your savings, it can be easier said than done. I never thought that would be a piece of advice that you'd give because you think of your health and your well-being as so separate from your investments, but it makes so much sense hearing you say it like that. And an example, if you've, say you had five stocks in your portfolio and four of them had done terribly and you were sitting there going, oh my gosh, I suck at investing and I'm never going to make money. I'm just going to sell everything. Or maybe you've had a few really good runs with investing and you've chosen four stocks that have done so well and you're like, yes, oh my God, I'm a genius at this. I'm I'm doing fantastically well. And then you buy something you haven't done your research on just because you're in this euphoria moment and you've got all this confidence it's removing that, always being humble and being like, yay, okay, those last few investment decisions have been great and I've done fantastically well out of them. This is a new investment decision and I need to look at it from a, with from a new a, lens with a new lens, and not get too confident in the fact that those previous ones have done well and vice versa. Those previous ones that didn't do so well, don't beat yourself up about it. Third question is, why am I pursuing this option and not an alternative? That question's kind of coming back to you know, asking yourself, why do you feel the way you do about this company? And it's it's just jotting down a few things and having having almost a one pager or, or or a few sentences about why why I'm buying this business so that you can come back to that if you ever think something's changed or you, or you feel like you're questioning your investment decision. The fourth one is you know what does choosing each option mean to me and about me? That's coming back to your goals. What am I trying to achieve here? Am I trying to to achieve having ten thousand dollars? having $10,000 at the end of 10 years, am I going to achieve that by by investing in this business? What are your goals and what are you trying to achieve? And then the fifth one, which is what I always try and do when I'm making an investment decision, is how might I be proved wrong? What am I missing? What am I not aware of? You're trying to be... Devil's advocate, really. Yes, exactly. Took the words out of my mouth. So <laughs> it's what what am I missing say you're investing in a technology company and it's all about customer growth and winning customers, you're thinking, how could I be proved wrong? It could be a competitive technology that comes into play. It could be if I see growth rates start to slow and it's new customers or trying to find the what we call the bear case in the investing world, which just means what's, what's the worst case scenario that could happen here? Just so that you know in the back of your head what to look for. Preparing for the worst. Exactly. 
positive investment chat from Vic Harris. <laughs> Fingers crossed that won't happen, but it's always just good to have your wits about you. The overall argument with all these questions is just try to remove the emotion and be aware when you are making an investment decision under emotion versus under an investing mindset. It's easier said than done, and I am still learning every day to do this. But it's all, And it comes back to what we said about don't fall in love with the stock. It doesn't know that you own it, and it doesn't love you back. Take three deep breaths <laughs> and come back tomorrow. Because it is, you make weird decisions when you're in a strange mindset, so it makes total sense. With anything. With oh, anything. If you're men, a, yeah, work, anything in my personal life. In fact, anything in my life in general. If you're in a bad state of mind, it's just make decisions, make your investment decisions when you're feeling confident and good and level-headed and not emotional about something completely unrelated. Yeah, it's just looking at every decision objectively and in its own bubble, which is a word we've heard a lot lately. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's not all doom and gloom. The share market is very exciting and I love investing in it. But, and... Is that the end of our five cues? Yeah. So the five, what influences are at play when I'm making this investment decision? How is my overall health and wellness? Why am I pursuing this option and not an alternative option? What does choosing each option mean to me and about me? And how might I be proved wrong? I feel like we need to be writing those down, sticking them on our mirror, remembering, because those are important. Hey, thanks so much, Vic. No worries. I feel a little overwhelmed. I mean, it was good and super helpful, but every time I start... Well, every time I start to feel good and confident, I realise how much more there is to learn. Yes, yeah. It's more the more you learn, the more you realise you don't know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And gosh, I've I've been in this industry for what seems like forever and I still learn every day. Every day is a learning curve. And so while it might feel overwhelming, we are slowly chipping away at it. And like with anything, there's just so much to learn, but we're building those foundations and we're eventually going to come out of this a lot better investors. Woo! We're all going to be mind boats. No? What's a mind boat? Oh, my. A mind boat. I, I was trying to say we're all going to be buying boats. Oh. But my words slurred massively. Yeah, we're all going to be buying boats eventually. Might have to be buying shares and boats first, which is an option. <laughs> I found out true, recently. Yeah. <laughs> if everyone's buying boats, then yeah, you buy shares in boat companies and you benefit. Woo. See you out in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Raising the Curve. We hope you learned something. Just a quick reminder that you're not expected to be an expert on day one. Confidence will grow the more time you spend on building your knowledge. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you have any questions on the content we've covered, please get in touch. We love hearing from you. For more information about The Curve, the work we do, and how you can learn more, head to thecurve.co.nz or find us on socials at the underscore curve nz.